Hi, this is Roberta Fallon. I'm here at Moore College radio station, TGMR on the internet. And today I'm talking with Rose Luardo. Hi, Rose. Hello. Rose, I'm very excited that you're here. Rose is a performance and interdisciplinary artist, and we'll get into that a little later. She's widely known as Andrew Jeffrey Wright's longtime comedy writing and performance partner, i.e. New Dreams, mm -hmm. among other things. Mm -hmm. And she's a singer in the performance rock band Sweatheart, which you may have heard from time to time around Philadelphia. Around town. Around town. Yeah. And out of town. And out of town. <laughs> and on the Red Bull thing last summer. Yeah. Along with Plastic Little. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and Rose has an art exhibition slash installation at um, Practice Gallery right now. So that's what we're going to talk about today, but I think our conversation will wind in many different directions. Meander. It'll be a meandering trip. And it'll be open because we're very interested in keeping the conversation open. open. Okay. Um, so what I want to say is let's first describe what you've done at practice because it's quite amazing. This is your first art exhibit and you've put together something that's quite theatrical that takes up the entire gallery space. It's not a huge gallery, but it's rather large with three large pieces mm -hmm. and then of two videos, I believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Or two video stations, video I guess we stations. can call them, because one is the, um, the monitor and the other one is uh, uh, videos that are projected onto a wall. So we have one wall that's the video shorts a compilation and then we have a monitor that's playing a scene that was performed and played out in the installation which is part of the show oh so it was captured live when you did the performance it was captured when I set when I first did the installation so when I first set up this is the day before I guess it was the night before we opened um, uh, my my intern and my crony and somebody who helped me tremendously, who actually goes to more. Her name is M. Jensen. She and her partner, Sean Mick, they we got, got together and with Andrew Jeffrey Wright, and we did a performance that we uh, filmed uh, that took an hour, and then we sped up the footage, and we put it on the monitor. So it was like you were seeing what happened in that space before the show opened up to the public. Okay. And that was that wooded area that I had described to you. Yeah, so let's talk about, there's the wooded area. That's called woods porn. Woods porn. That's woods porn. Okay, and then there is the Psychedelic, wall. the titty wall, mm -hmm. and a psyche, psychedelic rave coffin. Psychedelic rave coffin, Okay. So there are these three large installation elements, and they're very theatrical. And in fact, one of them, I believe, you invited the uh, viewers to participate in. Yeah, and that was real performance heavy. Okay, so, so the talk gallery about that. Sure. So this is I'm going to describe the piece first. Yeah. It's a sculpture, and it's a coffin on stilts. Um, it was made out of uh, deck quality wood, so like uh, pressure treated. 
like really sturdy wood that I found from a man who had some scrap wood. Um, he had been making a deck, or he had been doing, I guess, like rehabbing part of his house. So uh, was really sturdy, and Jerry Kaba and I made a coffin, kind of sized to me, but, uh, yeah, I would say kind of sized to me, but if you are a larger person, let's say you're under six foot, you could comfortably get into the coffin. Um, so it's, it's wood, and then it was... Um, I want to say, like, I put a layer of padding down, and the padding was just old blankets that I found at my dad's house that he wasn't using any longer. And I had these um, off-brand, uh, do you remember these things? I, I'm calling it a slanket, but it was like a blanket that had arms. Do you remember this? Um, they were sold on infomercials. Yeah. I bought a bunch of those, and I'm not using them. So I put them as, like, the padding that's the first layer for the coffin. Then over that, I got this... Um, fleece, like a winter fleece. There's this tie-dyed, ravish tie-dyed, hot pink, blue, red, magenta, green, green tie-dyed fabric. And then I wrapped the entire coffin in that fabric. I painted the stilts pink. I have a little step stool so you can get in. And then I tricked it all out with stuffed animals and I hot glue gunned and stapled stuffed animals to the to the what I want to say, the lid of the coffin. On the inside. On the inside, yeah. So that when it closed, it closed with all these stuffed animals like right up in your face and right up on your body. And then the gallery hired a man named Peter Morgan, who's a local actor. And he has like a 1970s sort of Gomez Adams tuxedo, which he wore and then played the part of a mortician and offered everybody a funeral ride or a, fun uh, a ride to the afterlife. And I don't know if you had the benefit of listening to the audio that, that there's an audio component. I did. I listened to a part of it, not the whole. How long was it? I think the whole thing is maybe about 25 or 30 minutes. So the experience that you have when you go inside, you know, Peter would help you get in, and you could pick a stuffed animal to come with you to the afterlife, and then he'd put the earphones on you. And the idea that I had originally was whatever you heard is what you heard. And maybe you only stayed there for a couple of minutes, and you would get just get a snippet. So there's a couple things that you could have heard. One of them um, is my father talking about his dialysis cruise, but it's taken all out of context. So it's just snippets where, you know, like when you're on vacation and you're older and you've had a couple cocktails, you'll just get talking and reminiscing about your life. So I have my father talking about well, I don't know, his life in the Philippines, snacks that he enjoys, women he dated. Um, you know, he's really just sort of waxing. Like a monologue. A little bit, yeah. And the way that we, uh, I made it with a man named, who you also might know, his name is Brian Adolph. And he is in a big performance band called Renegade. He's an actor. He does a lot of stuff with, uh, gosh, I don't know if I know the name of the company that he works with. But he is a, he's a comic and he's an actor and he's a musician. He's incredibly talented. Now he's doing audio work and audio engineering and he's making a bunch of podcasts. So we got together. We were going to turn the dialysis cruise into more of a story, but we ended up making it this art piece where he like layered music into it. And then I wanted it to sound like you were hearing a transmission from the afterlife or maybe hearing a transmission from a man who might have been in the coffin. And then that sort of generated an idea of what if this coffin had belonged to somebody else and then you got it afterwards? So interspliced with these commercials for something called a used coffin service. And that's me just doing voiceover work and, you know, talking about how you can rent a coffin and why would you want to own one when it's just going to go into the ground? Why don't you just get something that's going to make a splash, impress your friends, and then give it back? 
So there's three different commercials for a used coffin service that's somewhere on the boulevard. Somewhere it's on Roosevelt Boulevard. You could go and, and see it. So if it's you big, could get up there. And don't could. be a pedestrian because they'll kill you when you're they trying will. to cross oh, the street. Oh, they will, girl. So, so there's that. So that, you know, this is really interesting, is that when I describe that piece, I think of it as really, I mean, it could be insulting because I know that people take death very seriously. And I think that I'm making, this is a term that Andrew coined. It's called a funeral. It's a funeral, but it's fun. Or you're making the most delightful funeral situation, death situation that you can. And that's really the idea that I had when I made that coffin. But, you know, I think that maybe the impression that you had of that piece was that it was really heavy and a little sad. Or a lot sad. I did, actually, because the way... I mean, it's both, right? It's comic and it's tragic because the idea of death is ever-present in everyone's mind and it's just how you deal with it. And I guess that would be... The art way of dealing with it is however someone comes to it is valid. And so the way I come to that part of your installation, I see the whole thing as a whole, is like stages of life. You've got your teenage craziness going on in the woods. You have your adult woman obsession with tits or adult man obsession with tits and the titty Mm -hmm. wall. And then you have your end stage in the coffin. And Mm -hmm. so it seemed very integrated and fun. I totally think it's fun. But on the other hand, if you step back and think about taking the leap and stepping into a coffin, Mm -hmm. it's a big leap for Mm -hmm. someone to take. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure anybody would take the leap. Did they? Several people took the leap. Okay. And definitely interacted with that piece in a way that I didn't expect. So my expectation was that people would maybe hop in and hop out. Definitely not close the lid. and Definitely not stay in there and listen to my dad talking for 30 minutes. But that's what a lot of people did. They closed the lid. They had the lid closed. You had the option to not close it. They closed the lid. I mean, I would feel... To me, spaces that are closed like that feel comfortable and not claustrophobic. But I know a lot of people do have that problem. So I was, there was a a line. And I was, like it was a ride. It was becoming a ride. And I was, I was a little shocked. And I was delighted, though. I I liked that people wanted to interact with it that way. That's amazing. Um, You got in it yourself. I did. And did you listen to your dad in your head when you were in there? And for how long? Well, I got I got in it a few times. And I've been in it since. Um, I mean, it's different, I guess, when you made it. It's wombish. A coffin's kind of wombish. The stuffed animals are sort of comforting. The material's fleece. It's comforting. It's soft. It's tactile. It's relaxing. My dad. Well, it's my dad. So for me, to hear my dad talk that way about... You know, people he dated and things he thought and how he feels about food and how much he loves, like, Hollywood movies. You know, it's intimate. It's an intimate man-womb death chamber audio experience. It's not a man cave. It's a man-womb. Yeah, it's a man-womb. Yeah. 
So that's. I, but did you? So when you listen, did you feel? Did you feel sad, or did you look at the whole piece and feel? Well, I think you had told me something about your dad and dialysis. And oh yeah. So I was feeling sad about that. I think because dialysis is a very serious thing. Um, it means kidney serious kidney problem. Oh yeah, end stage renal failure. And so that's a little heavy. It's heavy. You know, my father has been retired for many, many moons. And again, maybe this is me doing that thing where I'm like trying to keep it open and trying to keep it light. And sometimes I think that comedy comes from a place of sadness, a little torture, something that's a little bit miserable, something that's a little bit foul. My dad doesn't... you know, he, he doesn't have a lot going on, and so I sometimes think about dialysis as my dad's part-time job. He's social. He sees somebody. Somebody comes to the house and hangs out with him and then drives him to, to dialysis. And Every he, day? He doesn't go every day. He goes, let's see, I guess four days a week, and he goes for four hours at a time. Mm. He gets out of the people, see him. He's forced to interact with people. If my father had his druthers, he'd see nobody and love it. He'd watch Dr. Phil and, like, Fox 29 and love it and eat Fritos and chocolate bars. Roberta, I love chocolate bars. I'm Eduardo. I love Dr. Phil and chocolate. <laughs> so, Do you bring him chocolate, I hope? Uh, a little. I mean, you know what? He can't have chocolate. You're not supposed to have that much chocolate. But guess what? You know, when somebody's older, as he is, you need to relax on a lot of those rules. You let somebody have their chocolate and their glass of wine or their margarita, if that's what they want, and you live. You know, and you live as comfortably as you can. So, so yeah, those are my feelings. I I agree with you. I totally do. Um, let's talk more about art. Okay. Are you an artist? Absolutely. Born to do it. Born to do it. Um, no training. You have been outside the art world, although. Inside the performance world, which there's, you know, they rub up against each other. They, they may do. crossover. Um, there is some crossover. But the one thing that you have been doing, and they've crossed over into your art, is humor. You're performing, which is not everybody's performing. It's very physical. It has... Clown. Cl- slapstick. You know, you throw your body around and things happen to your body. Clowning. Um, and I don't want to say that your installation is raucous and circus-like, because it isn't. It's very considered. Not that the circus is not considered. It's very considered. Um, but it's not, your installation is not what I would consider raucous, although maybe the performance that you did is raucous. That was raucous. It was raucous. Yeah. Okay, why don't you describe it? Because to a certain extent, your installation is, like I said, very theatrical. Feels like it comes out of you because you're in the theater, and it's also arty, but it has that backdrop feel. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. So talk about the performance you did. Well, that's interesting, because I feel that that Woodsporne installation really has a theatrical staged, like a production type of feel. Uh, Let's describe it. Okay, sure. So I, the, I've i made that installation maybe three or four or five times now. And I've been in, in a succession of group shows, but I've never had a solo exhibition. 
The first time I decided to put that together was maybe five or six years ago in a show that I had with Andrew, Jeffrey Wright, and Isaac Lynn, and Barry McGee, and Ben Jones, who was part of, oh God, Jessica Chiachi, and Ben Jones, and Jacob Chiachi. Who was it? Paper Rad. Paper Rad. Okay, so I'm in this group show, and I make this my, my Woodsborne installation, and it was sparked by a conversation that I had with people that are about my age. So I'm going to say anyone who's maybe 35 to 45 might have seen their first set of titties or first naked woman in the woods in a Playboy magazine that was either left there underneath a dirty log or that somebody confiscated and stole from their father. And we would run to the woods which was, in, in the, I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, that's what you did, you know, you w the woods was sort of your, you know, like this kind of like in-between Narnia nebulous little space where y if you were in high school, you would like drink schnapps and, you know, kind of smoke half a cigarette and be a little, be a little bit bad, but in this very contained suburban way. But there was a lot of hidden pornography out there. And then another thing that, my friends did, and I think a lot of people did, was we would draw our own in middle school, you know? Like, we didn't have access to it, which is such a different way that people look at pornography now. Nobody accesses it in this, like, you, it was so difficult to find. And so you were kind of forced to make your own And now you can get sometimes. it online, <laughs> Exactly, right? right. So if you look at that installation, it's, it's uh, made to look like the woods, and I have... Um, branches hanging from the ceiling and branches all along like the walls and branches actually like screw gunned into the walls and then I have all this like you know party leavings rager leavings like Coors Light cans a lot of these things are stuff from my childhood or my teenage years so I remember drinking Coors Light I remember like Mad Dog 2020 I remember trying to make marijuana pipes out of like celery and carrots and apples so, did you ever do that? Mm, that was not something no. you did? Mm -mm. You did not try and smoke marijuana out of an apple or a carrot? In my neighborhood, no. Okay. In mine, we did. <laughs> In my neighborhood, we're still trying. <laughs> um, so, oh, well, we would make, like, pipes out of empty Coke cans and stuff. So, all of this stuff is in the, in the woods. But then the With characters. The panties, too. Yeah, that's right. Because there was a sexual element there. So it's some, um, and they're like dirty panties. They're panties that we like partied in. Maybe we got kind of naked. I don't know, you don't know. But you do know because we ended up making this, this video. And it's basically these um, two girls. <laughs> it's Em and myself. And we kind of lure Andrew into the woods by giving him a vegan pizza. And then we, when he gets there, we just kind of like bully him and, you know, we get him to to let us give him a henna tattoo, but then you know what a henna tattoo is, yeah, right? Sure. Okay, right. So you know, it comes with this like sheet of really. I mean, if you're, in my opinion, like really dumb designs that you can like put on yourself, we just put the whole sheet on his back and then like proceed to like give him an entire like back piece out of henna. He's How long pizza. does that stay on before it comes? I mean, off? who knows? He probably still has it on him. We drip candle wax on him. You know, so it was very. So it was a little S and M going slightly, on. Slightly, slightly. It was a little, a, a mild to moderate S and M, with the ladies in charge. With the ladies in charge, and it was supposed to be 
you know, like a peek at what is happening in these in these places. Now that was really performed. You know, that's not really how anybody was be. I'm I'm sure it happened. I'm sure it could. But uh, yeah, that. So then that we shrunk it down. So that took us an hour to to do the performance or to make the video, and then we sped it up, and that was playing on our monitor. And the idea was you would see that, and then look at the installation and put together. Now let me just ask, why did you not perform at the opening? I did. Oh, the same as thing? those characters. We just took it up a notch. I so see. when I per- so when we performed at the opening, we acted as if we had left Andrew there overnight because it ends with him just alone in the woods. When we started the performance, we came in with a platter of um, used tampons that we were going to just sort of use to I don't know we were going to tease them with them. Who knows what we're going to do? But when we got there, everybody was like in the gallery space, and we acted like everybody was somebody we knew from high school. So, and we acted like everybody was a woman, including the, the the men that were there. And then so we took this tray of tampons and just threw them at everybody and called everyone like Kimmy and Rebecca and Samantha and how did you know we were here and this is our secret hideout and what do you think you're doing and see, I told you, I told you he was here. See, whatever, you know, just kind of being like bitchy, bratty, high bossy, high schooly, miserable, but funny, clown. I would say that was a clown. That was clown work. High clown work. French high clown work. <laughs> so we started it like that, and then we just kind of took it. It was, um, this was sort of a, a build, you know, we were building off of what we had done in the video, but this was more improv. And the video was essentially, some, we, had, we had a storyline, but we just kind of played around in there. So talk about writing, because you're very um, articulate and... Well, thank you, ma'am. Verbally adept, and I would assume some of that carries over to writing. And you and Andrew work together on the comedy things that you're doing. We do, we do, we do. So do you have a writing practice, or do you just wait for the event and, oh, i got to write, and let's do it? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. If I have an idea, I jot it down. If I have, okay, so as an artist, I'm sure that you've had these moments where you're just living. And you'll get an idea. <laughs> You're just living. I, I just and live then, sometimes. do you just live? You're living, and then something will spark a little something within you. So maybe, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe you see something happening in the street, or maybe you're eating a sandwich, or maybe you hear part of a conversation, and it'll get you thinking about something that you'd like to see, or that you'd like to make, or you'd like to take it a little bit further. And I'll write those ideas down. And then I'll try and flush them out with Andrew later on and see if we can use them as material. So basically, you're open all the time to sketching things in your mind that might be useful to you. So the whole world is your sketchbook, so to speak, and you're just grabbing what you zero in on as... Maybe the whole world is my muse. That's a good way to put it. The world is my muse. Okay, She's, she gives me things. She gives me inspiration. And then I take it and run. And then I give her some lelay, and then we hang out together. <laughs> but yeah, I have, I, you know, I have a whole bunch of stuff in my, now I have this fancy phone. I have a whole bunch of stuff in my fancy phone. Mm. But one, here's a little, here's a little snippet. I had this idea about clowns, like clowns that people hire for kids' parties. But then what if you had these clowns that um, were maybe for adult parties? And they were like alcoholic, drunk, weirdo clowns. 
that were kind of doing clown work, but were came wasted and were drinking out of like paper bags and stuff. And they had the clown makeup on, but it was just like all crazy. And so we've done that act a couple times, just drunk clowns for hire. For hire. Wow. We haven't been hired. We've been doing that as a comedy act. I see. But we act as if it's a as we've been hired to go and perform. I think you can put that on Craigslist. I think so. I think we'll get some nibbles. Monetizing it might be a problem. I don't know what the price point would be. I'll take Amazon gift cards or something. Figure it out. But we act as if we're going into a little kid's party. We keep calling everybody little boy and little girl. And, you know, uh, Andrew and I are also really physical performers, as you were saying. Yes. So we, we've done some things now that are a little circusy. Like I can stand on his shoulders and, you know, um, we can do handstands. Andrew's Did you really do physically gymnastics fit. when I you didn't, were a kid? No. no, no. I just had a dream. I just wanted to. So do you I do, do it yoga now. now? I think to be limber, to stand on someone's you know, shoulders, you I have do. To be limber. I do something called HIT, high interval, what is this? High intensity interval training. That's what it's called. And I just find it, I find it on the computer machine, on YouTubes. And I find them and then I just work out in my house. And it's like a free gym. I love oh. it. I know. What's it called? For those who may want to follow up on this. It's called HIT. H-I-I-T. High Intensity Interval Training. I love it. And I can find it on the computer. So that's what I do. That sounds yeah. really good. I run a little. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't do a lot of a yoga practice, but I'm, I do some. I do some. But, uh, you know, Andrew and I both just exercise at home. That's our routine. Talk about your day job. Well, I've got a couple. Yeah, well, we a couple. okay, talk about a couple. So I do this um, medical acting gig, which is called standardized patient work. Explain and when you're a standardized patient, is. okay, let me unpack that for you. That's when you act like a fake sick person. And you, there are many different ways that you can do this. One of them is in a teaching hospital. Another one is for an exam. That's usually a national exam. Another one could be um, at a school. So you're basically hired to portray a case and an illness. And you're given a script and you memorize it. And then you, you know, like show up for work. And what will happen is a medical student or a doctor who's trying to get certified will interview you. It's usually timed. It's about 15 minutes. And they'll ask you a bunch of questions, take your temperature perhaps, maybe take your blood pressure, and you just have a conversation with them and, you know, check out their bedside manner. Is it filmed? It is filmed, yes. And then I believe that there's probably a team that watches each one of these encounters. So I'm not really sure how that goes. I just know my, my end of things, which is that I'm going to portray this illness. And there are people that do this, you know, Philadelphia has a lot of teaching hospitals. So I have tons of friends that do it at Jefferson or Penn. And it's really weird, but highly entertaining. For you or for them? Well, if I go, for me, it's my pleasure. I think they're probably nervous, right? Wouldn't you imagine they're... Do they know that you're acting? They do. Okay. Because many of them pay to take the exam. So I work for an examination center. So this is where young doctors are paying to place out of that. that, that is, it's a requirement. So they have to pay to play. So they take the test, and then I guess if you fail the test, you have to come back and take it again. Mm. 
This sounds so much better than selling your plasma or doing other things that you can do for the medical system. I'm really happy to hear they have this. Yeah, this, is a, no this is a popular job. You know, I, I know that um, the University of Pennsylvania does these sleep studies that I've always wanted to do. Where they make sleep you stay apnea? Well, they make you stay awake. Sometimes they make you stay awake for a day and then give you a whole bunch, then basically give you your SATs and try and make you take the SATs and see how well you can focus if you haven't been sleeping. Wow. I that would love like to torture. take that. I don't know. I'd like to take that one. I want to know. I want to know how I work under under maybe under some pressure and no sleep. I'd like to know. Push it to the limit, just to see. So yeah, that's one of my day jobs. And then, um, what else do I do? Well, I have a little um, rental property that I manage, and you know, take care of that. And I take care of my dad, so I you know go shopping with him and check in on him and take him to Trader Joe's and, you know, make sure he's got what he needs. That's a sort of a little job, caregivering, caregiver-ing. <laughs> caregiver-ing, not caregiving, caregiver-ing. What else do I do? I think that's basically, those are my, my big, my big things. Yeah. And then you're, of course, not sleeping at night because you're doing your nighttime comedy. Comedy stuff. starts at 10 p.m. or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we were talking about good, good comedy theater. Yeah, tell us about Good Good Comedy Theater. Oh my do god! Do you perform there? I do. Are you good good? I am. I'm very very. <laughs> I'm good good. I love that place. Oh my god. Oh my god, Roberta. <laughs> it's incredible. I was telling you and Libby about this place. Yes. So it started by two comedians, um, Aaron Nevins and Kate Bamford. Oh my, it is. Fabulous. You know, I think they try and do a lot to bring the comedy world and the theater world together as much as they can. But, you know, you and I were talking about this. Some art takes itself really seriously. Okay, let me ask. Do you think that comedy is an art form? Do you think that comedy is art? Oh, yeah. Do you think stand-up comedy is art? Sure. So do I. Absolutely. Louis C.K.? Mm-hmm. Artist. Professional. Louis C.K., artist. Mm -hmm. Judy Tenuta, artist. Bobcat Goldthwait, artist. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, but I think that it's invalidated much because of the time. Because of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People don't like humor in their art. We were talking about that. Yes. But there's a lot of art that's, that's funny and provocative in a way that's laughable. And sometimes I wonder if someone knew that I was looking at this work. You know Bruce Nauman, is that his name? Oh, my God. Hilarious. Some of it, not all of it. Not all of it, but, but when it's funny, it. the, the hot side's hot and the cold side is cold. Mm -hmm. But what's funny is funny. And I want, and he seems to be so serious that I wonder if he saw somebody laughing at his work if he would be offended. Who knows? Probably not. Someone who stands and spouts water out of his mouth and calls it fountain, I think, has a sense of humor. Yeah. Oh, God, he's funny. And those uh, neon, those like neon signs that he made. Yeah, and well, and Clown Torture. Do you know his work, Clown Torture, mm -hmm. the video? Mm -hmm. His videos are great. I just saw a really simple video that he did recently. It's just him walking down this really small, narrow alley, swishing his butt back and forth, and there's dust on the butt. And it's so simple and so good. See, there's something that would like give me a little fire, you know? So where I would want to take that is I'd want to like get in like a really tiny tube and then slither through a tube and have somebody film it. See what that's like, you know. Well, you did something funny with your butt and drawing that's 
available in the show at practice. That's true. You and Andrew, tell the story. You wanted to do this for quite some time. Well, you know, there's this store. It's called American Apparel, and it's going out of business. And when we found out it was going, it's been going out of business for a long time. Right. So maybe up to like two and a half years. I heard two and a half years ago that it wasn't doing well and was probably going to go out of business. So two and a half years ago, Andrew and I purchased a tight white dress that we were going to use as a canvas. And what was going to happen is I was going to wear the dress and then where my butt comes out from the dress, he was going to draw. Well, he's going to draw on the side of my body a little man. And then my butt was going to become the man's stomach. And then we finally we finally did it and we made it into a video and you can see it at the show. And what happened to the dress? I wore it. And do you s are you going to wear it again? Of course. Yeah, I'll wear it again. I wore it to the opening and I um with a little man on it, drawn on it. And then I hot glue gun weave hair to the armpits. So it looked like I had these really long, luscious, hairy armpits. Gorgeous. So then I wore I wore that then. I'd wear it again. I'd like that dress. It's cool. And uh and the, well, you know, the show was up until the 26th. Through the 26th. Through the 26th, yes. that's correct. So you can still go see it, and yeah. you should do. Yeah, it's yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you think about your next step as in the art world with a capital A where people don't care for humor so much? I wonder if this work, I think this work has a place there. I think so. I think this work has a place there, but I, I, and depending on how you look at it, it can be funny or not funny. I think that wall of handmade titties is really, it's funny, but it's also compelling. And you can lay a lot of meaning on it, you know? I, I didn't make any assumptions about any of these pieces. that I, I just thought people would have their own interpretation and it could be what it whatever it was. So... I, uh, for a moment, I was like, oh, it would be funny if men wore them, if we found, like, appropriate breasts for each man that was there. It became a little bit feminist in, in, in the way that it is and looks. It's really kind of a powerful thing to look at a whole wall of different kinds of, of breasts. Right, that are 3D soft mm -hmm. breasts. Mm -hmm. All the different shapes. Yeah, very different shapes, although there is kind of a... Repeating. Yeah, there is, yeah. I, mean, I made some forms. I made some forms. I had to. How much variety are, you know, do you find in women's breasts? There oh, my God. Yeah? As much as women's bodies, as much as anyone's body. Mm. How about, I mean, there are some varieties where th some, some women have one breast that's maybe two or three sizes larger mm -hmm. naturally than mm -hmm. the other breast. Mm -hmm. There are different kinds of areolas. There's superfluous nipples. You know, there's, there's a lot going on there. I made this one kind of, I was trying to make something that I call a seal snout, which is a breast that kind of comes, kind of droops a little bit. It ended up looking like a triangle. Did you see? <laughs> I think I missed those. They're a little like triangular and they were coming mm -hmm. off, they're like very, really relief and they're coming off the wall. But um, yeah, I liked that shape. I, it, and then I made some really large breasts that I had to pleat to get the fabric to, to lay properly. And uh, so I, I, and then I made some tiny little A cups, some crisp A's. So yeah, I, but I, I used just one palette and I think that that ended up looking really interesting to me. I just used, I just used what I had. 
in terms of flesh tones. And then I just mixed and matched in terms of breast color and areola color. However, all the nipples are hot pink because they just had were. had to be that way. Yeah, it ha- because it had to be that way. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Well, I think it's really a great installation, and I would hope you could take it elsewhere. And, I mean... I want to. Just go to all the art schools. It should be installed in all the art schools, and you should tell the students how to think their way out of the boxes that they've been put in. I mean, you come to the art world from completely outside of drawing and painting and three-dimensional sculpture and printmaking and all that kind of stuff. There I are, like that you stuff. Know, you should break I, the rules. You yeah. broke a lot of rules, and you can teach people how to break rules. Wow. They need that in yeah. the art schools. I just had a conversation with somebody who's a teacher who said, you have to know the rules first to break the rules right. You don't think so? No. I think you just go I think if, there's, if you don't know that there are rules, then you have more freedom. It's more terrifying I agree. If you don't know that there's rules, well, if you were never told not to do something, you don't know. You don't know, which opens you up. Maybe even if you're not told to be terrified, there's no terror. Maybe. You just do. You just do. Mm -hmm. But I really had a a great time making these things. It felt really rewarding to make this stuff. And then to see it all together, you know? So that's the art package. The art package. The art package it makes came in good the mail. to feel it. Yeah. Make, it makes you feel good to see it. Uh, I'm happy you enjoyed it mm-hmm. when you saw it. I did. I enjoyed it very much. Um, and I think, is there anything else you would like to have us consider before we wrap well, up? Well, let's here? consider this. If anybody has any suggestions as to where I should put this um, compilation, it's a very fine compilation. If anybody is interested in having me make them a coffin. Um, I'd be happy to engage in that conversation and get you a price list. Uh, what I suggest everybody go to Good Good Comedy Theater in Chinatown, which is at, I think it's um, two fifteen North Eleventh Street, right next to Yakitori Boy. It's five dollar comedy. Each show is about five bucks. Go for the seven o'clock show and stay for the ten o'clock show. Get a drink at Yakitori Boy. Go right back in there. There are some shows where you get a free beer, and on Tuesdays there's free pizza. It's such a cool place. I can't say enough about it. I believe they have free pizza. Wow. I know. Well, I'll take you to the free pizza day. Andrew does one of my favorite shows. It's called Garbage Improv, where they haul in a bag of Chinatown garbage, put it on the stage, open it up, no matter what is in there, open it up, and then do improv based on the trash they find in the trash bag. It's awesome. It's so good. I may it's have really to pass good. on that one. No, <laughs> don't pass. <laughs> Rose Luardo, it's been so great talking to you. Congratulations on your art installation, which I do love, and people should go see at Practice Gallery. And best of luck to you. Thank and you. Thank that you. you this was fun. You're lovely. Bye, y'all's people. See you later. <laughs>